Fast X is now in cinemas and it is a fast movie. I swear to God, we were telling people that we went for the press preview. And of course, the first question everyone asks is, so is it good? (laughs) And I don't know what answer they're expecting because I can't tell you when the last time a fast movie was objectively good. I can tell you that it's good for a fast movie because obviously if you're a fan of these sorts of movies, then it delivers exactly what you're expecting. But whether or not it's a good movie, there is no objective standard to measure that when it comes to this franchise. Okay, so I'm going to just 30 seconds in, I'm just going to ruin your day. Can you rank your fast movies? You don't have to rank them all. There have been 10, but like maybe rank your top three. I think I can because I genuinely believe that the first three Fast movies were genuinely the most interesting because they weren't yet a bankable franchise. And so the studio was willing to take experiments. So the first three movies, completely different directors, completely different stories. The main cast wasn't even involved. Like the first original cast wasn't even involved in all three. They experimented and tried different things. Like the second movie was, you know, just Paul Walker by himself, now an ex-cop trying to go down the life of crime, maybe. And then the third movie, they move everything to Tokyo and you're like, whoa, what's going on? None of the main cast are in this film, right? And then only in film four, when they brought everyone back together, did they realize that maybe we can make a greatest hits album, right? So we give people what they want. We mine the series for the things they like and then just Mm. give them the thing they like over and over and over again. Yes. And this movie, Fast X, just like the last six movies before it, is exactly that. The plot is identical. There is a person who wants to get Dom or some member of the family because of some revenge plot because Dom was somehow involved in something that happened to their brother or father or sister or son or daughter or whatever, right? And then this person wants to tear the family apart and that's it. That's the plot. That's what happens. Yeah. My problem with Fast X is that it tries very hard to give you action sequence after action sequence but without actually doing anything particularly new or interesting. Director Louis Leterrier has kind of scaled back. So like no one's going into space in this one. They've done it. The previous Fast movies were all about escalation. So that's how they kind of shocked you into submission. (laughs) But the problem with the Fast movies were that the escalation was always so CGI heavy that it ends up looking kind of janky. And so Louis Leterrier decides, okay, I'm going to bring this back to the world of racing. I'm going to try and keep things as grounded as possible. And when I say grounded, I mean grounded for a fast movie. Yeah. In contrast to this, if you take something like the Mission Impossible franchise, which is also rooted in escalation, because in every movie, Tom Cruise does something crazier and just amazing. But all of that feels real and practical, and it feels like genuine spectacle. It doesn't feel like just someone behind a computer screen with a keyboard making cars fly in the air. And so as I'm watching Fast X, I'm like, okay, I guess this is kind of thrilling, but 
I don't really feel anything. I'm not I'm not excited like when I was watching John Wick or Sisu or when I see Tom Cruise hanging off the side of a plane. That that real adrenaline isn't there. I agree with you with the fact that the first three were at least interesting. I've always been a fan of the car racing thing because that was kind of what brought me to the to the franchise in the first place. This idea that there is a car culture that had been ignored mostly and you know it brings back those those hot rodding periods of time in american cinema and i think that's what i wanted to see but what it has become now is like you said an escalation of stunts not even real stunts just an escalation of set pieces done in computers i mean for fuck's sake, they had a submarine at one point i saw a clip the other day and i completely forgot of a scene in that submarine one, whichever number that was, of the rock hanging outside the side of a car that was being driven on ice and deflecting a torpedo. And I just go, holy crap, I forgot shit like that happened in this series of movies. So Fast X is better in that sense because it feels less Looney Tunes. Yes, it is definitely less Looney Tunes. They have Looney Tunes sequences. They have Looney Tunesy bits, but you're right. As a whole, it's definitely less Looney Tunes. Yes, I want to say it's more Elmer Fudd Daffy Duck than Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner. <laughs> I know that's not a big distinction, my friend. But one that is, is a, slightly yeah. more restrained than the other. Yes, and, restrained is okay. Okay, I'll give you that. Go on. And I think being slightly less Looney Tunes makes it a lot more watchable because this is universal's answer to a superhero franchise right everyone in this movie is essentially a superhero they can't yes. really die and much like superhero mm. comics even if they die they just keep coming back hey michelle yeah. rodriguez hey han how's it going <laughs> i guess when you check all of that at the door and you go into this movie thinking oh this is what it is you may have an enjoyable time but there's a reason i bring up the greatest hits analogy so like when you look at a greatest hits album it's like hit after hit after hit right that's all it's just yeah. you know 15 tracks 12 tracks it's just the best songs of all time and there is no breathing room because every song you're singing along and you're beating that drum and playing that air guitar yeah and this is what that feels like there is no breathing room there is no space for anything everything feels so crammed together and yet the movie doesn't necessarily end don't forget, this is part one of maybe three. But unlike yes. other trilogies out there, which often have something of a satisfying conclusion before they say to be continued, this one doesn't end. This one needs, it requires you to wait at least two years, maybe slightly longer with the writer's strike before you find out what happens next. I found that a bit unsatisfying lah, because... When you think of narrative structure and there is that whole build-up and then there's the bit of a W curve that happens. As a member of the audience, as someone who's consuming fiction, you kind of need that. That's how it works. It's almost scientific in how your brain processes this information and gives you the kind of satisfaction you need from these stories. This one was just go, 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 stop. And so you leave the cinema like totally potong steam. You're just like, uh, and then... Yeah, but I think the other big problem with Fast X is the fact that it it does a good job of it, but it is directly referencing things that happened in 2011. 
in Fast and Furious 5. For me, that was a bit of a problem. And I think if you're going to go watch this, and, I, and <laughs> let's be honest, you're going to go and watch this, I would say watch that movie because there's a, there is a direct link to that film. And I think even with the flashbacks that they do in Fast X, which they did very well, I will say, I kind of think I needed to have seen Fast 5 in the last four years for me to be reminded of a lot of these things. I mean, we joke, but there really isn't a story here. There's a very there's a very basic element of a plot here. There is the protagonists, which is our gang, which is our family in inverted commas and capital F. And then there's an antagonist. The antagonist being Jason Momoa. And that's it. Literally, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a reason the antagonist is doing what he's doing, but... But that's it, really. There's no character growth here. There's no character arcs. There's no story arcs. It's just, holy shit, this guy is after us. Action sequence to action sequence to action sequence to action sequence. And I think that's why I urge people to go back and watch the first one, The Fast and the Furious. That feels like a movie. It may come off a little dated these days, but it actually has all of those things. It has rising tension. It has a climax. It has character arcs. Like all of these individuals in that movie change and grow throughout based on the yes. story that is being told. Paul Walker at the end of the film is a very different character from the Paul Walker who started the film. And that's what stories are supposed to do. All of this is, of course, reflected in the fact that almost everyone in Fast X feels like they're sleepwalking through the movie. With the exception... Except one. Yes. ...of Jason Momoa, who is having the best time. He's having the time of his life. Whatever I want to rate this movie out of 10, I will plus two or three points because of Jason Momoa. He is absolutely yeah. fantastic in this film. Like, he's the only one who feels genuinely excited to be there. Actually, to be fair, as does John Cena, who, in between the last two movies, seems to have completely changed his character. Yeah, yeah. So the John Cena we see in Fast X is totally different from the John Cena we saw in Fast 9. But he's John Cena, and he's also incredibly watchable. The both of them are great, Charlize Theron just looks bored half the time. And man, Vin, Vin Diesel. I mean, I know Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel isn't the most expressive person at the best of times. But in this one, it just felt like he was phoning it in. And that's weird, right? Because this is... This is his. The Fast series is his thing. Yeah, it's his baby. I think for him to not be... Well, at least to appear disinterested feels like the weirdest thing. It is so disheartening that that guy is disinterested. In this. And look, I thought Michelle Rodriguez seemed to be on it more than he did because he's just, half the time it's just him grunting. I don't think anybody's got more than maybe four pages of lines in this entire movie. That was, for me, the most surprising and disappointing thing. I think they try very hard to accommodate all of Vin Diesel's eccentricities. Like, I know there's a director, there are writers, there are producers on this, but it feels very much like Vin Diesel calls all of the shots. Mm. And he often wants all of these new actors to join the franchise because they may be friends of his or people he likes. And that's fine. 
But this film feels so crammed with people. And sure, it might be one of three, and maybe they will get to all of these characters eventually. But one of the biggest pitfalls in this movie is that you don't actually spend enough time with anyone. Like, I like Mm. Michelle Rodriguez's character, but you barely see her in this movie. I think the new additions to the film performed the best. I thought Brie Larson was great. I thought Daniela Melchior was great. Like, all of the new additions to the franchise genuinely have that excitement. They're like, oh, look, I'm in the fast movies. This is going to be fun. I get to run around with a gun and shoot people and drive fast cars. Woo! Yeah. And, like, they seem like they're having fun. But everyone else who's done this for three, four, five movies, like... I feel so bad for Jordana Brewster because they didn't kill Brian in the franchise. So whenever something happens, she's always in it for a few minutes before she has to run off and be with Brian. And I'm just like, yeah, is he in protective custody somewhere? Like, why isn't he at family breakfast? I don't understand. Like the movie opens with Dom and his son, Little B doing a little driving thing and then they go back home for family lunch right capital f family lunch and brian's not there obviously but jordana brewster is there so you know what it really feels like it feels like there was a falling out between dom toretto and brian jordana brewster who is dom's sister has to show up because grandma is here at lunch So she has to go. But because Brian doesn't want to make it awkward for everybody around the capital F family table, he doesn't show up. And it just feels really awkward. It's like the elephant in the room. Like these two guys have fought. Nobody can talk about it because Dom doesn't want to hear it. It was a weird story decision that really came back to bite them in the ass love. I mean, at least in this movie, Jordana Brewster gets a kick-ass fight sequence. But then immediately after that, she's like, I need to go find Brian. And like, I'm like, okay, see ya. I don't think it was a bad story decision i think it was a story decision that they had to take because i mean it would kind of feel distasteful if they killed off brian in that movie as well i don't know i think you could have done it in a superheroic way in a noble way where brian sacrifices himself but here's my thing i think they need to cut jordana brewster you can't bro just i'm sorry you you have to go i understand but now it looks like there was a fight like dom And Brian, in a drunken stupor, may have tried to kiss each other. And now it's just awkward. So Brian doesn't show up anymore. I think that's what happened. That's going to be in Fast 11. Just you wait and see. You're writing that shit right now. Goddamn flashback as to what happened. Um, I think they have to cut Jordana Brewster. They just have to like, no. Because here's the other thing. In universe, Brian has left because he can't put up with this anymore. The danger is too dangerous for him and his family. So why is Jordana Brewster still showing up to these things? She's just hanging around, putting herself in the line of fire. Is she just like not telling Brian where she's going? She's like, oh yeah, I've got lunch with the girls. And then she shows up on Michelle Rodriguez's Instagram account. You know what I mean? It feels weird. That feels like this thing hanging over this movie's story. And again, we're talking about story in a fast movie. Lah. So, you know, all of these complaints, I will say, is not saying that this movie was bad. It's like you said earlier, this is completely and absolutely what you expect from a fast movie. There are too many car chase sequences to even count. There are definitely way too many people in this movie to even count. 
everybody does too little because there's so many people in this goddamn movie. But it's still a fast movie, lah. You know, I kind of zoned out after the movie. I can't even, I don't remember the movies, but like I kind of zoned out of the fast series when Dominic Toretto jumps across a bridge to catch Michelle Rodriguez. And that just felt ridiculous to me. But I understand the appeal of these movies. And this movie has that appeal in spades. I agree with you. The movie isn't bad. And none of the fast movies are particularly bad. Not by the merit in which we judge bad movies. Because it's competently produced. The visual effects are pretty alright. They're trying to do something interesting. And I say interesting in the sense that it is Universal's answer to not having a franchise like James Bond or not having a franchise like the MCU or DC. And so they've kind of merged all of those concepts into this one because it's bankable and it seems to work. All of these characters are essentially superheroes. They travel the world from exotic location to exotic location, just like a Bond movie. There are spy elements because now they work for a secret spy agency. There are gadgets. There are tech geniuses. It's all of these elements from all of these other franchises kind of brought together. And in that sense, it's quite fascinating because it is an original product, right? It is not based on a book. It is not based on a comic book. It is something that they have developed and grown over the years. My complaint, however, with this movie is that you zoned out a few movies ago. I found myself zoning out within this film. Right. And it's only because I wasn't thrilled. It doesn't feel like they've put in the same amount of time, work, and effort that Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie do when they're making those Mission Impossible movies. I mean, it's no secret. The Mission Impossible movies are not cinematic art, right? There isn't a screenwriter slaving over a script for years. I mean, Tom Cruise goes to Crystal McQuarrie and goes, I want to crash a train. I want to hold on to the wings of a plane. I want to ride a motorcycle off a cliff. And then they kind of build a story around that. Like we recently spoke to Rebecca Ferguson, who is in Silo, and she says it's a really interesting experience because there is no script. They get cast. And they have nothing to read because Cruise and Macquarie are still working shit out. But yet, those movies work, man. They feel good. They're thrilling. They're exciting because there's so much time and effort put into crafting those sequences. This one feels like a lot of bish, bang, boom. I think also in the Mission Impossible series, those sequences are earned. We're still talking about Henry Cavill What's what I'm looking for? Locking and loading his uh, arms? Locking and loading his arms, right? As as unwritten as that was in the script. But I think a lot of those moments are earned. Yes, the Tom Cruise hanging on the outside of a plane happens early in the movie. Uh, opens that particular movie. But there is a reason to that. Even if it is just Benji, the, the character Benji just talking it away. There was a reason for him to be hanging outside that plane as opposed to in this one, at one point, Dom drops his car in the middle of a car chase. I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. Those cars, that particular car would fall apart. That thing has got zero fucking suspension. There are all these questions that 
that you have to stop yourself from asking. How do they get American muscle cars at all of these countries? I have no problem with movies that force me to suspend disbelief. But I think the movie has to do enough to make that happen. Like if you were to sit down and dissect any Marvel movie, even the greatest Marvel movies, yeah. you can pick apart plot holes. If you were to sit and dissect a James Bond movie, for example, it would stop making sense very quickly. But there is so much that happens that gets you caught up within that world that you forget. I mean, that's what fiction is supposed to do. It's supposed to allow you to escape. I think maybe there is a certain amount of fatigue on our part when we're watching movies like this because we're forced to watch so many movies in quick succession and so many action movies as well that we begin to require more. And I'm not asking for great writing. I'm not asking for a deep and meaningful plot. All I'm asking for is that the action sequence don't feel so pedestrian. They didn't do anything that blew me away. They didn't do anything that I will remember that Tom Cruise on a plane thing happened years ago. Yeah. And it's still a point of reference because it was so incredible. Also, can I just say, this movie is just the most American uh, film. They go to Rome at one point and they just fuck up the Spanish steps. Lah. Just fucking ruin a national heritage location. Lah. You know, that thing's protected by the UN Fuck the UN Dom Toretto's running down it with his Mustang. Fuck that shit. That to me just feels borderline tasteless. I know, again, I'm. it feels like I'm asking for a lot from a Fast and Furious film. And, and I think there is a level of agency that I expect from a two-hour-plus whatever film, right? I expect story to make sense. Maybe it doesn't need to be fucking Casablanca. It doesn't need to be perfect. But I think it needs to make sense. You can't just tell me, this guy wants to get you, now run around the world and go. I just don't feel like that's enough for me anymore. There still hasn't been any confirmation whether it's going to be a two-movie finale or a three-movie finale. But all we've heard is that Vin Diesel announced on the red carpet at the premiere that the studio wanted him to make it a trilogy. And so no every story. article is kind of running with the idea that this is a trilogy now. So this is part one of three. I don't know where you're going to go. Dude, they're just going to I blow up more cities go. as they travel around the world. Now. That's it. This movie feels like the first one and a half acts of a general action film, right? Like you said, the movie literally ends on a, I don't even call it a cliffhanger. It's so unsatisfying as a film that it just feels like, where are you going to go after this? It feels a little tired in that sense. Yeah. And I think they could have done, I think they could have alleviated that fatigue if they had started doing something different with the action and something new and something thrilling that is just beyond racing down the streets and destroying cities. And that was my biggest criticism yeah. of the film. Like I went in expecting more. I think it's silly to say I expected more from a fast movie, but I do just because we're used to that level of escalation and we're used to seeing that sort of thing in Top Gun Maverick and Mission Impossible and John Wick and all of these action movies that have actually excelled in what they do. That said... Jason Momoa playing the Joker is 
worth the price of admission alone. Like he is yeah. Heath Ledger's the Joker in this. It's a similar psychological motivation. Yeah, he just wants to depressed. watch the world burn. But he's having a great time doing it. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. So watch this movie for Jason Momoa and you will not be disappointed. Everyone else seems a little bored. Fast X is now showing in Malaysian cinemas. We know you are going to watch it, so let us know what you think. You can reach out on all of our social media feeds. They're GogglerMY. You can also email us at podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Drop us a line on any one of those platforms, and we'll send you a link to join our brand new Discord server. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.